You're listening to Wealthy-esque. We are a community of lawyers who believe that true wealth is having control of our time. I'm Ro Thomas, and as a busy wife, mom, and former big law associate, I know all too well the tension between the culture of the legal profession and pretty much everything else you want to do in life. That's why each week I'm bringing you the information and tools you need to improve your money mindset and manage your money to create true wealth. Because ultimately, it's not about the money. It's about the freedom and flexibility the money affords. Hey friend, welcome back to the show. I hope you're doing well and having an amazing day so far. Today, we are talking about making uncommon choices in life, specifically with your finances. I was thinking about how my husband and I have set up our finances and the choices we've made over the years that have led to where we are now financially. And I've also heard a few multimillionaires speak on their thoughts on money management recently that aligned with some decisions we've made, which I thought was pretty cool. So I will share some of that as well. In our society, the common thing is to get everything now and get the biggest you can get. And as soon as you can, trade up to even bigger and better. And so many people are stretching their finances to the limit trying to keep up. So there was a study a few years ago that found that 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And another one last year found that 36% of Americans making $250,000 or more are living paycheck to paycheck as well. So I was thinking about all of this and thinking about the habits of wealthy people and how they differ from the common way most people tend to use money. And it all comes down to the fact that wealth is not about how much money you make, but how much you keep. Sure, making more can help, but only if you keep more. And that goes back to the statistic about people making 250000 but living paycheck to paycheck. So when I think about my family's finances and some of the things my husband and I have done, one of the best financial decisions we've made, hands down, is the house we chose to buy starting out. When we were shopping for a house, the bank said we qualified for something like $800,000. And although we qualified for the $800,000, we knew that we could not pay an $800,000 mortgage and still do other things we wanted to do, despite whatever the bank's calculations were that said we could. At this point, we hadn't looked at our finances or anything like that, so we hadn't gotten started on this whole path of improving our finances and paying off debt and building wealth and all of that. But just from where we were at that time financially and how much the monthly payment on an $800,000 mortgage would be, we knew that wasn't for us at that time. So we decided instead to get a $200,000 mortgage and buy a smaller home than what we could have gotten. And I think that decision has been one of the biggest factors in what we've been able to accomplish financially over the years. But it just got me thinking about how the typical way that we look at money is to buy stuff, buy at the top of what the bank will lend us, buy as much as we can, right? Always looking for more, bigger, better. And so many lawyers want to get to this place of living this wealthy lifestyle as soon as possible. So we get the fancy car right out of school. Maybe you don't buy the fancy house at first, But often I'll see lawyers renting the nicest place they can. 
So like a big example I see here in Atlanta is renting the high-rise apartment right in the middle of Midtown that's three times as expensive as a slightly less fancy but still nice apartment a few miles away. And then many people I see trade up to the fancy house as soon as they can. So I see lawyers extending themselves to live this certain lifestyle before they've put themselves in a really strong position to be able to do it. And that is a big source of the stress and anxiety and worry that many people feel about their finances. When you've got so much of your income going out to bigger rent or mortgage payments, to car payments, to private school, to you know brunches and restaurants, to whatever other things make up that lifestyle for you, then you end up with a lot less wiggle room, a lot less space in your finances, which makes the progress you want to make take longer. Going back to my husband's and my decision to get the house that we did, the mortgage that we have has always been a very small fraction of our income. It's a big part of why we've been able to put so much of our take-home pay, half of it in some months, toward paying off debt and saving and investing over the years. And it's part of what allowed me to leave my job in big law, even though I wasn't making nearly as much in my business as I was making in big law. If our mortgage were two or three or four times, really, because the bank was offering us four times what we actually took out, if our mortgage payment had been four times what it is, it would have been a lot harder to do those things. And it would have taken us a lot longer to do them if we were even able to do them at all. So getting less than what we could afford in terms of our house and even our cars, I actually still drive the same car that I was driving in law school. My husband got a new car a few years ago when our second child was born and we got it used. So it was a few years old. It's a nice car, right? Don't get me wrong, but my husband is big on cars. And so I know it's not as nice as what he ultimately wants or what we could have gotten. Those kinds of decisions, though, have allowed us to build wealth over the years because we've been able to keep or to use so much of our income toward improving our finances, even though we didn't keep all the money necessarily because we paid off our student loans, that decision to pay off the loans freed up a bunch of money that we no longer have to have to cover our minimum expenses. And I know different people feel differently about the decision to pay off loans, but for us, it was a strategic decision because the majority of our loans were at 6.8 and 7.9% interest. So the typical argument that you can get a better return in the stock market didn't really ring true for us. My student loan payment was like $1,000, a little under $1,000, and we paid my loans off back in 2018. My husband's payment kicked up to the full amount, I think, in 2019. And part of our plan was to pay mine off before his full payment kicked in. So while he was still in residency, the payment was lower based on his income, but we knew that when he moved into his attending position, the standard payment was going to kick in and we knew it was going to be expensive and it ended up being $3,500 a month. So that's $4,500, my $1,000 payment and his $3,500 payment that we no longer have to worry about covering in our budget. And that has provided so much freedom and flexibility. But again, part of why we were able to do that is because we've lived so far below our means. So now on the back end, we do want to get another house where we have more space both inside and outside, especially because the boys are getting bigger and especially after being home with them for almost three years. But when we do, we'll be doing it from a much stronger financial position where we don't have any debt but our mortgage and we have just been building wealth. 
when we do make that decision, we want to have so much peace and little to no impact on our finances. I mentioned that I have heard some millionaires talking about this recently, so I want to share their thoughts as well. I really like personal finance and business podcasts and books and videos and such. And I was listening to one with a guy who's a multimillionaire, like he and his wife have hundreds of millions of dollars. And he was talking about when they hit their first million, that he was still driving an old beat up Toyota Camry or something like that. And somebody saw the car and said to him, like, oh, I thought you were supposed to be rich. And that goes back to this common practice in our society of looking wealthy, spending the money, buying the nice things, but not actually building wealth. He was actually building wealth, actually had a million dollars in his account, but this person made this comment just because he didn't fit their image of what a wealthy person should look like or should be driving. And he talked about how he and his wife eventually did buy the million-dollar house and the luxury car and all that stuff, but they did it when buying those things was such a small blip in their finances that it didn't affect them at all. I also heard Grant Cardone share some similar thoughts on money management, and if you're not familiar with him, he's a real estate guy and talks about real estate investing and business. But he said something to the effect of, If you're paying, say, 40% of your income to taxes, right, you're paying the government 40%, why not also pay yourself 40% and use that money to invest, and then you live on the remaining 20? And even if you don't like the specific percentages he outlined, I think this is just an example of the kind of thinking that he and other super wealthy people have about money, right? Don't spend everything you make, live on substantially less than you bring in, a small portion of it, and keep more of your money for yourself and use it to improve your own financial position and build wealth. Both of these people are managing their money much differently from the common way we typically do in our society. And you can discount it by arguing that they're super rich, but how did they get that way, right? They weren't always rich. Both of them talked about times in their life when they had nothing, but the way they think about and manage their money has contributed to them building the wealth they have now. I think if we could switch the way that we think about and use our money, right, if we could practice delayed gratification rather than trying to get to the fancy as quickly as possible, if we could buy things well within our means, not things that stretch us beyond our means, it makes for a pretty good position to build wealth. And from that place, you might decide that you're going to upgrade or do something else, but when you do, it won't feel like a strain. You won't have the anxiety you may feel now, and you'll actually be able to enjoy your money and the things you buy without the underlying stress that often comes with that. I am very grateful for the decisions we've made because they've set us up to do a lot of things that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to do, and that a lot of people you know, around us are looking like, oh, how are you able to do this? And hear me, I'm not saying... You have to live like a law student and spend nothing and eat ramen noodles every day. Enjoy your life, right? I think that's important. But just think about what decisions you can make that may be different from what you typically see in your circles, different from what you typically see in society, but that will set you up better financially in the long run. If you can make more of those decisions rather than living the way that's most common, right? Living beyond your means, overextending yourself, trying to keep up with whoever, you'd have a much better experience with your money and the things you buy, you'd build wealth, and you'd feel much more at peace. 
making those uncommon choices leads to extraordinary results. I can teach you how to live below your means and have more than enough room to build wealth and achieve the extraordinary results you want with your finances. So if that sounds like something you need in your life, head to rowthomas.com call and let's set up some time to talk. All right, that's it for this week's episode. Come connect with me over on social media. I am most often on LinkedIn, Row Thomas, and Instagram at I am Row Thomas. Subscribe to the show and leave a review, both of which help more people to find it. And please think of a friend or two who you think could use this information and share this episode with them. As we close out, friend, I pray that you take the information you learn here, apply it in your life, and open up to the realization that wealth is available to you. As you do that consistently, week after week, you'll continue to take steps to regain control of your time, build wealth, and live the life of freedom and choice you deserve. Talk to you later.